theyeshiva.net. I just said, I stand corrected. I said yesterday, the Apostle says, which, is the, which produced the snakes. Zoya says, which means a horrible food. Uh, a horrible food. This Lushen from Kabbalah is Michla Dakik, or the kick is the word Dak, which could be defined as Mechle Kolo, because it's very subtle. So our last point was explaining a very strange Medrash. The Medrash tells us, we're explaining the Pasuk in Kriyashma before the Medrash. Vahavtas Hashem Alekecha. We can understand what it means to love with all your heart, with all your soul. At least we can think we understand what it means. However, not only don't we understand what it means, we don't understand, not only don't we understand how to do it, we don't know what it means. What's What is this? If you want a real, a real literal translation, it would mean love Hashem with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your veryness which is not really a word, with all your veriness, ma'oid means very, toiv ma'oid, very much, with all your veriness, with all your ma'oidness, what does this mean? Which is why the mission in Brachas gives different interpretations, because it's difficult to understand. One interpretation is b'chal ma'idecha, is ma'moyncha, one is b'chal ma'idecha, b'chal mida, umida, shehumoyedlach, whatever comes your way in life, here he touches it based on the word ma'oid, which is also consistent with the Mishnah in Baruchas, b'chol midu midu. And that is based on a medrash. The medrash says in B'reishis Rabbah, in Parshatess, in Chumash B'reishis, Ayara l'kim is kol toiv ma'oid. Hashem saw everything that he created, and it was very good. Every day it says he saw what he created, and it was good. On Friday it says, at the end of creation, it was very good. What's very good? So the Medrash Rabbah says, Toiv, Zemalachayim. Toiv is the angel of life. Mioid, very good, is Malachamov, is the angel of death. Which is, of course, quite counterintuitive. Good is the angel of life, and really good is the angel of death. I mean, we would hope that real goodness would look a little better than that. Right. So... There's an old vart, somebody one that once heard from a Yid, it's an Alta Yid of Chaimeya Bukit, he was a Rav in East Flatbush. So he was a Choshevet Baldarshan. So he once said Pshat, this is a more anecdotal way. He said there are two types of people in life. In the world, with two types of people. I'll describe both of them, and if one of them suits you, you could raise your hand. There are people who want things to be good, toiv. They want things to be good. There are people who need things to be toiv ma'oid, perfect. Not good, but perfect. Excellent, impeccable, flawless. Very, 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 very good to the point that it's absolute excellence. Nothing less goes. So the Medrash says, if you want things to be good, that's a license to life. If you need things to be toiv ma'oid, perfect, that's that's a license that is a cause for misery. Because perfection is impossible. And if nothing but perfection works for you, you will never have a moment of satisfaction. All you will have is a life in which you see 
the negative and the half cup empty in yourself, especially in your children. Some people, the only thing they could do is criticize. Nothing else. Nothing else. Right? The classic story for this is one of the better ones. This boy was not doing well in yeshiva and he was bringing home low grades. And his father was very, very upset, very angry, very hurt, very pain, infuriated. Once he brings home a grade, they had a dancing, a whole dancing exercise in the school, and he did amazingly well. He got a hundred. On that particular test, he got a hundred. He comes home and he gets a frask. The father sees the mark. He gets a frask. He says, I don't understand, Tati. Always you tell me, why do you get a 60? Why do you get a 70? Why do you get a 40? Why do you get a zero? I finally brought home a 100 for dancing. What are you? You should be happy. He says, really? The chutzpah to ask such a question. You're failing in everything else. On the Hasnach Kayach Tansen. <laughs> you're doing so bad in everything else, but you still have the ability to dance? <laughs> Where do you get the stamina to be able to dance? You should be in a depression. What are you dancing for? That's <laughs> that's why I have to uh, chastise you. We're dealing with such a person that's a malach Everything dies. Every, every initiative dies. You're also never going to do anything because perfection is the enemy of progress. People who need things to be perfect don't do anything because it's not perfect. And therefore they wait and wait and wait and wait till after 120. And then it's perfect. <laughs> then everything is always perfect. So you want things to be good, yeah. It's not a mitzvah that things should be bad. Toiv. But toiv ma'oid. Let on toiv ma'oid. Do and you'll fix. You'll fix. You'll give it a second edition. That's the, what he said. Uh, a good word. Here he goes, of course, to a much uh, to a deeper space, a deeper level in this. That Malach HaChayim and Malach HaMavis really represents two modes of life. Malach HaChayim are those angels that when we see them, they're so filled with positivity and promise. And Malach HaMavis are those components in life that challenge us. In many ways, we feel that they kill us. They can destroy us. They introduce crisis. They introduce challenge. They introduce obstacles. In whatever issue it may be, physical or spiritual, emotional or social, financial or material, whatever aspect it may be, miladalma miladishmaya. Don't think the Alter Rebbe says it's not toiv. It's ma'oit. It's not toiv, but it's ma'oit. What's pshat? It's ma'oit. It also comes from a source that's goodness, because everything comes from a source of good. But sometimes the goodness comes from such a source that the way it's translated into our practical lives is negatively. Why? The answer is because. Things that have the profoundest goodness, they have 
deep, infinite goodness in them because we don't have the containers, the kalim, to internalize them within our vessels. So for us, we translate it as overwhelmingly disastrous. But what is it really? Really, if one has the courage to be able to see the divine energy, the divine chius, the godly oxygen that fuels that fuels this experience, this encounter, this moment, this relationship, this reality that I'm facing, you will discover that in this lay an incredible potential for the human being, for his or her life, and really for the whole world. Because as he says, From him evil doesn't come only good. The question is, if it's good, that's comprehensible. That our eyes could see it and say, Ah, this is geschmack, this is delightful. Or it's a whole deeper type of toiv, which is Eino Musuk. The toiv remains abstract, it remains mysterious, it remains nebulous. The way it appears in our reality is as something that is actually Malachamavas. So that's a fascinating idea that it comes from the Ma'oid. Vahaftasajamalakha means when you encounter a moment of Ma'oid, it's a moment of veriness, it's a moment of extremism. This has to do with many what we discussed many times about the lights of Toyhu. But the you remember the lights of Toyu are deeper than the lights of Tikkun, but they break. Because they have no vessels. They have no vessels. So whenever you have in your life something that you feel is breaking you, it's going to break you. It's going to break you. It's going to break your relationship. It's going to break your family. It's going to break your marriage. It's going to break your business. It's going to break your serenity. These are not easy things to deal with. Nobody wants them. Nobody prays for them. Nobody asks for them. But when that curveball comes my way, I have two ways of dealing with it. One is, I go into a mode of depression or melancholy or sadness or despair. I surrender, I give up. I tell everybody that my life is cursed. My life is horrible. Everything around me is evil. And I just develop a certain cynicism. Cynicism comes from bitterness. You know, very cynical people, they give up in life. Cynicism is really a result of fear. I don't want to be backstabbed against. I just become cynical. I stop trusting. There's nothing to trust anymore. So you just become a cold, detached cynic. You make fun of everything and everybody, and that way nobody will disappoint you again because there's no expectations. There's no love. There's no warmth. There's no passion. There's no joy. And that's an understandable response because it's a painful life and it's very hard to confront pain. A deeper perspective which one cannot preach to somebody else to embrace. One can preach to themselves, because this is a very heavy emotional journey. This is not an intellectual, uh, philosophical, encyclopedic idea. It's a very heavy emotional journey. But another approach, the approach that the Altireb is teaching us here is, that the person should actually say that despite the fact that it appears as an absolute disaster, really a Malach Hamavis stepped into the life, there must be that there is an incredible, incredible positive energy that is so powerful that my mind can't contain it. It's too big for me. 
And because it's too big for me, all it does is create a migraine. It's too much pressure, it's too intense. But why is it too intense? Because in the place that I am right now, I am not capable of absorbing it. It's looking at sunlight. And when you look at sunlight, it's too much light. And it, therefore it blinds my eye. My eyes don't have the containers, the chemistry, to be able to absorb so much light. The light is damaging to me. So what do I have to do? I have to expand my horizons. I have to open myself up to opportunities that I could never imagine. All the opportunities I could imagine were opportunities that I can imagine based on my limited paradigm of yesterday. Today I'm being summoned to expand my paradigm infinitely. And you know, anybody ever stretched here? Anybody in yoga, Pilates, exercise, you ever stretch? Huh? Right? The stretch hurts. It hurts. But after the stretch, ah, machaya. You open it up. You got to open up the spine. You have to open the chest. You have to open the, the ankles. You have to open the legs. You have to open the ab. You got to open it up. We sit We sit in yeshiva 17 years. Kafof, kafof. Shoifo shoshana kafof. Kama de kayef inish. You bent in. You curved in. You got to expand. But expansion is painful because you have to spread out. Expanding the brain is very painful. The elasticity. What is it called? Yeah? Elasticity. Elasticity. The basis of elasticity is like an elastic, yeah? A rubber band. A rubber band, yeah? You ever shot a, you ever shot a rock on you? Yeah? Never did in yeshiva? Why'd they throw you out? Not for that? It's to get Rebbe's vote before your eyes. Huh? It's to get Rebbe's vote before your eyes. Yeah. yeah, the Imre Yemes we spoke a few yeah. weeks ago. Vashabrim Leinechim. Shabbos morning once. You have a have to completely stretch. And that means I, I, I cannot... Sometimes I have to stretch so much that I don't recognize who I was yesterday. All layers have to be stripped. Because each one of us has a certain way in which we negotiate with life. Everybody has their identity. This is who I am, this is who I am not, and this is how I live. But when this curveball comes my way... For me to catch it, and not only not fall, but be uplifted by it, take the ball and run and touch, make a touchdown, I have to sometimes have the courage to be so humble and to strip myself from all egotistical layers that I was familiar with for years, and this became my story, my pattern. This is who I am, and it's very painful to go out of it. So I could say it's horrible, or I could say it's toiv ma'oid. It's not toiv, that's for sure. It's not regular goodness. Either it's horrible, either it's a malachamavis, or it's ma'oid. It's this or that. It's not just this regular good, you know, a nice piece of sushi, or a cheese danish on Shavuos, or on a good Tuesday. It's not that, it's a ma'oid. It's an energy of ma'oid. And an energy of ma'oid, if you don't have the vessels... It shatters. It's very, very intense. So you say the reason it's the reason it's so challenging for me is because it's an invitation to become infinite. And whenever you're invited to touch infinity, your finite self is going to revolt. You're going to resist. You're going to say, no, no, no. My cup is seven ounces. Don't give me more than seven ounces. But what if you're being invited to touch infinity? 
How does a cup of seven ounces touch infinite wisdom? How? All the walls have to be flattened. All the walls have to... You have to open up the... But we all have walls. These are our walls, right? We walk around like this. Not all of us, but some of us walk around like this, yeah? And some of us with bullet vests. And some of us with helmets. Some of us don't even allow our eyes to stick out. We don't even want our eyes to see anything. So we're just covered from head to toe with gears, layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. And nothing will cause us to take off those layers. Nothing. Nothing. But for this, the person really needs to be mafshit themselves. Mafshit themselves on two levels. Mafshit themselves really strip themselves psychologically beer. Emotionally, I'm talking about psychologically. And only then can they completely touch a whole new level of reality. And that's the story of the seed. The story of the seed is you have a beautiful seed, seed of an apple tree. You have it on the windowsill, right? You put the seed, everybody here has on the windowsill seeds and cups for like 25 years. It's a beautiful design for the kitchen. And then you take the seed, it's a wonderful seed, it doesn't bother anybody, nobody bothers it. It's a little seed. And you put it in the ground, you put it in the earth, you bury it, you destroy it. You cover it up with sand, and suddenly you become like an evil Hevra Kaddisha. And you say Kaddish on the seed, and worse, it decomposes, it rots. And the seed is telling you, what did you do to me? Did I do anything bad to you? I was on a windowsill. What do you want from me? I never hurt you, I never hurt a fly, I never hurt, what do you want from me? No. You throw it in the earth and the seed is hollering. You ever hear this seed hollering and screaming? You don't have such a fertile imagination. And the seed, but you bury it, and it decomposes, and it rots. And a few years later, ah, it morphs into a splendid tree that may grow to be hundreds of feet tall and nourish a world with its delightful fruits. So what happened? From one yesh to another yesh, you go through an ayin, a state of nothingness. From a lower something to a higher something, if it's a quantum leap, you need to go through a state of decomposition of ayin. That ayin is very painful because you're in the, stuck in the middle. You're not here and you're not there. But it's in that nothingness that birth happens. Rebirth happens. A whole new birth. Panem chadash is A new face comes in. So toiv ma'oid, that's a whole different type of toiv. It's toiv, but it's ma'oid. It's enoi musig. It doesn't have the quality of being easily comprehensible fathomable, contained by the vessels of the human being. Same idea. This is the idea of hadin ein hadinim nimtokim alabasharsham. This is the idea. On one level it's din, it's intense, it's harsh. Sharshan is the root. Same idea. Sharshan doesn't mean past, it doesn't mean future. It means if you go to the source of it. If you go to the core of it. Take a tree. The root is not the past, it's not the future. It's in the past and it's in the future and it's in the present. It means the invisible source from which the entire tree grows. You could look at the tree and you could look at the shayrish of the tree. Every din, if you go back to the shayrish, which is invisible underground, you will see something else than what you see in the manifestation. That sometimes could mean going to the past. But it doesn't only mean going to the past. 
It means going to the future. It means going into the present. It means going back to the core, to what's giving it chiyos. Every Remember, every thought we have is being fed by something. No thoughts live in vacuum. We think thoughts are just there. They're not there. Right? Your wife could tell you something. Another person's wife could tell her husband exactly the same words. The emotional response is absolutely different. 180 degree difference. Why? This guy freaked out. He wants to shoot himself and the rest of the world. And the other guy is, let's go buy an ice cream. Right? He thought it was cute. What does this have to do with? Nothing to do with what she said. Nothing to do with that. It has to do with his experience of what she said. Something is feeding this thought. What is feeding that thought? Maybe my youth, my youth experiences. That may be the past. You're right. How I experience life. Oh, I hear this. Boom. She's the worst thing that ever walked the face of the planet. Worse than Vashti. I don't mean your wife. I mean the concept. Present company, always excluded. Remember that rule. Always. In terms of Shalom Bayez, I don't mean anything else. Right? The other person, that oxygen is not feeding it. He doesn't have that. So you always have to go back. It's not a thought. It's what's behind the thought. But behind the thought is another thought. And behind that thought is another thought. And behind that thought is another thought. And if you can go to the origin of it, it'll be very sweet. You'll see. It'll always be sweet. When the person breaks down and cries, they're very, very sweet. There's no evil bone in their body. Right, Lani? Yes, sir. (laughs) Goodwill hunting. That's past, but the concept is not only past. It's not about past. Past is often a situation where you could see it. The concept is the shoyrish. Don't look at the chitzonius, look at the pneumius. What does he say? When a person has yisurim, loy lemara ein of yishpat. Don't just look at what you see with your physical eye. Go deeper. Perceive, penetrate. Go deeper. Goodness is embedded in the DNA of the situation. Yes. Not only the goodness is embedded in the DNA of the situation, the D, when you tune into the DNA, all you will see is goodness. When you tune into the DNA level, to the DNA strata, that's the word, the DNA strata of it, means madrega level, all you'll see is good. It's just too good. <laughs> so Caitlin can't handle that. It's so. too good. Yeah, it's too good. You say, what is it? Too good to be true, right? So we say it must be bad. It's too good. So what do you say? Hey, it's not good. <laughs> he wants to kill me. It must be bad. You know when you hear something really good? <laughs> too good. There's some monster there, right? There's some demon there. There's some skeleton. No, it's good. It's very good but I can't translate it into my language. It's lost in translation. Because my language is a limited language. I have to completely let go of my paradigm. Completely. 
There's a famous series of chassidus of the Rebbe Rashab, it's called Hemshech Tofresh Samach Vav. It's a series of uh, discourses that he said over a few years, three years. He started Tofresh Samach Vav, 1905. And over there he gives a marshal, a very interesting marshal, you see it sometimes, if people have to present. He gives it a marshal, he gives it a marshal of learning, but I'll give a, a similar marshal, but it's based on his metaphor. Let's say you have to present some very, very, like a speech of your lifetime. You have to convince your board of directors, you know, to give you a life contract, or whatever it is. Or you have to convince your shviger that she should move to another country. <laughs> v'chuli, v'chuli. You're giving the, the speech of your lifetime, right? You want to get tenure in your, your university. Whatever it is, you need to get your investor, your $50 million investor. And uh, this, this is the moment. So you have to prepare for it. Or you're giving the shear of your lifetime, or the speech of your lifetime, or the lecture of your lifetime, or the workshop, or the seminar, whatever it is. Anybody's field of work, you have this once in a while. And you look at the topic, and you have an idea. An idea comes into your head. And you think you have the idea, and you prepare it, and it seems good, and so forth. And then, usually the night before, two nights before, or a few nights before you review it, and all you see is problems with it. This doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense. And uh, you lose it. And to one point, to the some point that the night before, a day before, you are so frustrated, you are so uh, heartbroken from the fact that you don't have any material, that you just you completely give up, not only on the speech, you give up on yourself. You start regretting your whole career. I'm, I should have never taken this job. I'm never doing this again in my life. You make all these promises to you, to yourself, that you're never ever going to get into this position again because you're so frustrated with this horrible product that you thought you had and you didn't have. And you fall asleep in this frustration. You fall asleep in this sense of despair and complete self-denigration you're the worst of the worst of the worst and as you wake up in the morning a little flash comes in a little flash of inspiration comes in which allows you to create something from it to compose an idea to weave a thought together to produce something fantastic most people look at it and they say okay, lucky you had a flash but the way Chassidus sees it, no. <coughs> what allowed you to reach that new flash of inspiration was the fact that you completely gave up on yourself. The fact that you were so frustrated, that was the prerequisite to the new idea. Because till that point, you had the security and you weren't ready really to become flat. And because you weren't ready to become flat, you can't conceive of something new. It's in the moment when you think you're furthest from the truth that you actually become closest to it because a component comes into your life and that component is the absolute humility of the fact that none of my paradigms work and therefore I'm just an open book. And once you're an open slate, then you can actually experience something completely new because you don't have walls that are protecting you from this new energy. So the moment that you thought you were di most distant from the truth that you needed, that was actually your moment of closeness. But if you would have known that, you could have never succeeded. That moment you had to feel horrible. And that sense of like absolute uh, 
worthlessness. And Yiyush was your moment. That was your moment. And that's why the Rushina used to say, Yiyush is Shaloi Midas. All the whole sugim of Metzi, everybody, that's where they start learning in Yeshiva. Yiyush Shaloi Midas. He types, Yiyush, all Yiyush is Shaloi Midas. All the spear comes because you don't have Das. If a person would have real Das, they wouldn't have Yiyush. On a deeper level, what we're saying is, Yiyush is Shaloi Midas. It's the Yiyush that allows you to go to the level of Adaloyada, to go to the level of Shaloi Midas, beyond your Das. The fact that you give up on your ego. Yiyush is you give up on your ego. Your ego basically says, sorry, I can't deliver the goods. And you're like, get out of my life. And when you crush that ego, you open yourself up to egolessness and therefore to infinity. So very often the moment that the seed is rotting is the greatest moment of rebirth, even though at that moment all you see is a rotting seed. A simple example would be, it's also an example that's brought in Svarim is, demolition. Somebody tells you, you know, your house is being destroyed. Tractors are coming and literally destroying your house, your mansion. And you come and you look at this frightening sight and you explain to them it's not destruction, it's renovation. I needed a bigger kitchen. I needed a bigger dining room. I needed more bedrooms. So what do you do? Build another wall. You can't build another wall because you have pre-existing walls. The only way to build a whole new house on a different level is by destroying the old house. But everybody knows demolition is not fun, especially if you have a good Jewish contractor. Take 2,000 years. This is how Chassidus explains. Reb Chaim Palaji asks, How was Hashem allowed to destroy the Beis Amikdash? There's a halacha that if somebody even destroys one brick from the Beis Amikdash, Hanoisitz Evan Achas is loike. Magidvar of Liyakov, God is bound by Tayyamitz. How can he destroy the Beis Amikdash? He says, I sent the Vuchadnetzah to destroy the Beis Amikdash. You're not allowed to. You don't, they don't deserve it. Hide the Beis Amikdash. Send them away like the Mishkan wasn't destroyed. The pshat is that the Zohar says that the first two Bate Mikdash were destroyed because they were Binyana de Barnash, they were mortal creations. Shlaima built the first, and Ezra and Nehemiah built the second. They were mortal human creations. Anything that a human being creates is destined to die. A human dies, and his creations die. Even Lehman Brothers, even Bear Stearns, even the Titanic. they grandiose human creations, but they're mortal. Even Coca-Cola is not going to last forever. No. I don't mean chas shalom to this. <laughs> Rome, Rome lasted for 500 years. All the roads were heading to Rome. But also Rome disappears. Everything disappears. Huh? The Concord... TWA, Tower Air, the old cameras, Kodak, Kodak, AOL. I'm the last one who has AOL. The last Mohican, me and Rabbi Litzman, the last two people on the planet who have AOL. I tell people AOL, they want to know if I come from the apes, from the ape age. So the Zoyar says, human creations are human, and they have the human imprint, and humans die. 
And therefore anything that is created by man is destined to die. The third base of Mikdash will be Binyana de Kuchabrich, we say every morning, Mikdash Adne Kainanuyadacha. That will be forever, like Hashem. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe once said, a very Gishmak of art. So he said, How do you graduate from a human structure to a divine structure? If you're secure in the human structure, you'll never go to a divine structure because it's working. In order to gain the divine structure, you have to flatten the walls of the human structure. Demolition is the beginning of renovation. You can't create a new house if you don't demolish an old house. So if you want to make a new house, you need the holes in the old house. So now what happens when holes show up in the old house? You could say one of two things. You could say, Oi, my house is being destroyed. Or you could say, Ah, the beginning of a new house being rebuilt. Everyone has holes that show up in their life. You have a marriage, five years it was paradise, ten years paradise, suddenly there's holes everywhere. Every wall you thought was secure in the marriage, punctured, boom, 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 boom. One guy comes and says, my marriage is over, it's over, I thought it was good, it's over. Another person says, ah, it's the beginning of a new marriage. But to start a new marriage, you have to get rid of the old marriage. That's why Mesech Gitten comes before Mesech Kedushin. You had to get divorced from the old marriage before you could get into the new marriage. That's how it is. It's always painful. Destruction, demolition is not fun. Nobody likes to see the tractor doing it. But there's no way I can build a new house. In other words, to build the third base Hamikdush, you have to destroy the first and the second. So the Rebbe said, when you look at the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, you could see two things. And they're both true. One is destruction, demolition, and one is the beginning of the renovation of the third Beis Hamikdash. Both are true in Halacha. What's Tisha B'Av? Tisha B'Av is a day of mourning. It's brought in Halacha and Shulchan Aruch. We say Nachim on Tisha B'Av. We don't say Tachna on Tisha B'Av. It's called a Moyed. And the Pais can bring because Mashiach is born on Tisha B'Av. Yerushalmi says Mashiach was born on Tisha B'Av. What does it mean? Mashiach was born on Tisha B'Av. What's Pshat? Soon coming in three weeks. Yehovchul Simcha. Shabbos Chazoin. It's called Shabbos Chazoin. Why? The after is Chazoin Yeshayahu ben Amos. Asher Chazal Yehudu Yerushalayim. The vision of Yeshaya. What did he see? He saw pending destruction. Isaiah chapter 1. Yeshaya Perikalif. How does a loyal city become a harlot? Justice used to dwell there and now full of murderers. The whole Yeshaya is a vision of Perikalif. A vision of pending catastrophe. Yeshaya lived before Chorban Bayez Rish. More than a century before. But he saw it coming. And that's the Haftarah of Chazoin, the vision. Comes to Bavit Sakhbatichiva, and he says, Why is Shabbos Chazoin called Shabbos Chazoin? No, at least the Chsidim should know. Why? Yeah. The Baditchiva says, Because Shabbos Chazoin means vision, everybody sees the third base Amikdash. If you ever had two divergent Pshatim, it's this. Ask about Abatish Shayid, who knows the Haftarah, which few people know. Why it's called Shabbos Chazayin? He'll tell you because he saw the Chorban. But the Shabbos says, no, because you see the third base HaMikdash. Come on. Is this a Pshetl or a Pshetl? So Moses, this is called Chesidah Shavetlach for Shalashudas. 
This is what you do by Shalot Judas. You say a cute word to make people feel better. So that's really the Kedusha slave. He comes in, the Baditshri was always good for that. Right? Is it the meat and potato of Judaism? But in the Balatanya, it didn't work that way. Nigla and Nister were Mamish one. Pshat and Soid are cohesive. It's all one. The Pshat is much deeper. The Baditshri is not taking away the Pshat. He's just putting on glasses. He's giving you a set of glasses. Chazoin means destruction. Yeshaya sees the destruction. Some people look at the destruction. What do they see? Destruction. It's the end. Some people see the same demolition. What do they say? It's renovation. It's the first stage of renovation. It's the painful stage of renovation. But Dishva didn't believe you should eat on Tisha B'Av Chas Roshon. It's painful. Demolition is not Kishmak. You already want the house finished. Anybody who built the house knows what I'm talking about. And if you had to fix an old house, you know even more what I'm talking about. But what is it? It's not destruction, it's renovation. So was Hashem allowed to destroy the second base Hamikdash? You're allowed to destroy your shul according to Allah. If, one condition, if you're going to rebuild it in the same place. Why? So the Rishonim say, the Mardechai has a Lashen, Hahun Binyan Mikri. When you're destroying a shul in order to renovate it in this very place, you're not destroying it, you're building it. Sometimes you destroy a wall, it's not called destruction, it's called renovation. It's the process of renovation. I can't expand my kitchen if the walls are intact. I have to flatten the walls and build new walls so I can make a bigger shed. There's no choice. Breaking walls is not fun. It's not fun. So now take in your personal life. Person experiences a life, whether it's in a marriage or anything else, and things are cruising beautifully. You know, you're, in an, you're on an ocean liner. You ever went on a cruise? I'm a chaya, tranquil waters, and suddenly, whoo, the tsunami hits, and it hits ferociously. And the curveballs are flying. You know, like in those video games, you're trying to dodge them. You know, if you have one falling every few minutes, it's good. But you know those games? Uh, what are they called? <laughs> we spent a lot of years on these games. I mean, they were essential to our growth in school, no? I forgot. Not Pac-Man. How do you confuse Pac-Man with this game? Pac-Man is another Indian. Pac-Man has a whole other gather in Avoida. Yes, I'm a flit ahead, and it's coming from all sides, from all directions. I'm like, God, why don't you send another few? And sure enough... Come on, I'm doing well, I'm doing great. And you don't even have menuchas on nefesh, you're flying from right to left, middle. Everything is breaking up. This person looks at their marriage, they look at this, they look at that, and there's holes everywhere. There's a hole here and a hole there and a hole there. Everywhere there's cracks. How do I view it? Toiv? It's not toiv. It's ma'oit. It's ma'oit. It's an invitation to a whole new structure. But it's a divine structure. Maybe your marriage failed because it was a human structure. It was based on your own human ego, your own human insecurities, and it works sometimes. And maybe now God is inviting you to recreate a relationship that is based on a divine structure. In other words, something that goes to into a much deeper place. Your infinity can celebrate this relationship. The third partner will come in. And for that, the holes and the, the cracks in the wall are essential. 
they are a prerequisite. So instead of getting upset, instead of getting into a depression, you should actually embrace it with courage, with humility, but with stamina and confidence as you allow yourself and you open yourself up to a whole new light that was unprecedented. When new light comes into my life, I'm go- my old self is going to resist it, always. Think even sitting and hearing a new idea. Now, not many people do this, to be honest. Not many people, once you hit a certain age, most people don't open themselves up to new ideas. Some people already close down at six. That's today usually the age of uh, adulthood. <coughs> Retirement is 14. Once you're 20, I don't know. At a certain age, very few people are listening to new ideas. They go to people who they know will confirm what they believe in. So it works, right? And we, in the religious Jewish world, we have a wonderful way with this. When you hear something that's a little new, so either you say, I'm a shugunah, or even better, if he's not a Meshuggah, he's an Apikaitis. And that really puts the lid on it. It's wonderful. He's an Apikaitis, he's a Kaifer, he's a Meshuggah, and you're done. I'm not threatened. Everything can maintain, be maintained, status quo, everything is good. He's a Kaifer, he's an Apikaitis, this one is a Meshuggah. And the main thing is, I could never hear ever a new idea in my life that may challenge me for real growth. And a lot of people just live that way, and everything is in that orbit. And whatever they hear, they put into a previous filing cabinet in their brain, ah, this works into that filing cabinet, put it here, put it there, ah, this is good, right? I told you once, the worst compliment I get after a shear, these types of shear, is somebody comes over to me and says, what you said is mamish like the vart I heard last week by Shalashudas. Or what I... He put it into the box. Okay, it's like the Shalashudas Vart from last week. That means either you didn't hear what I said or I didn't say it correctly, but it wasn't the Vart you heard last week by Shalashudas. First of all, it's not a Vart, and it wasn't a Vart that you heard last week at Shalashudas. Unless I didn't have the schus to communicate the real energy of the mind. But that's what we do. We put it into the box, and if it's a little bit out of the box, we say the guy's a heretic. He's an apicurus. Of course he's out of the box. He's an apostate. He belongs in purgatory. Now sometimes a person does say stupid things. (laughs) Maybe more often than not. But very often our dismissal of messages comes because of our insecurity, not because of our expansiveness. So very often a person just closes down at a certain point. They never allow themselves to hear anything new. They don't allow themselves to be moved, to be touched, to be swept off the ground and soar. I don't want to be swept off the ground. The last person who swept me off the ground, I don't want to tell you what happened. Dropped me. Dropped me. (laughs) They just dropped me. They dropped me from very high. And I didn't fall on the part of the body that I would have liked to fall. I fell on the wrong part. So do me a favor. Don't sweep me off any ground. I will just stay here. Right? until the pole bears come. That's an approach. You like what I'm saying? You empathize? You identify. Right. So we sit, you'll forgive me, I'm going to copy you. So we sit like this. We lean back. 
We have an iPhone for protection. In case it gets to us, you can always go here. Right? Baruch Hashem, www.lealmanyisrael is always what to look at. Worst comes to worst, you can make believe. But there's always somebody to text. There's Wikipedia to check. There's Google to challenge. And there's Trump to mock. There's always something. And that becomes our raison d'etre. Our modus operandi, our mission statement is don't move. Don't penetrate. Don't get moved. Don't let anything penetrate. Because who wants to deal with this? Who wants to deal with Mo'it? And that's where we become old, not biologically, old emotionally, stale, stagnated, and paralyzed. And God becomes an old man with a long white beard who just represents the oldest reality as possible. There's nothing alive, there's nothing fresh, and there's nothing vibrant. That's one way of living. And then there is another way of living. <laughs> Surrender. Oh, that's a good question. How do you distinguish between opportunity for rebuilding or say it's time to move to another house? It's time to move to another house. That's also an opportunity. That's also opportunity. Right? Not every ball do I have to catch and run with it. Sometimes this ball is not for me. Sometimes I have to run from it. But that's also an opportunity. So we have to remember that. One obviously has to be able to look into every situation and see if this is an opportunity that allows itself, right, to be transformed into a tremendous blessing. This house has hope. We just have to break down a couple of walls and rebuild. Or, there's so many issues here, there's so many problems here, that really, I'm just going to get messed up. I'll just become destroyed here. Those are hard choices that people have to make in different areas. And I'm not sure there's a black and white answer for it. And certainly every situation is different, every person is different. And a lot of other considerations come into play. As everybody knows, whether it's in your marriage or in your business or... uh, in your relationships with families and so many other issues. But remember, even if the call is to run, that's also an opportunity. I, that, I think that's exactly the way it was laid out. The, uh, the, the muscle from the Zaya with the Melech and the, and the Zaino was the opportunity of running away right. and finding the good in the running away. And in here, we're talking about harnessing right. the Right, exactly. The, the prince with the Zaina, right in that muscle... What does he tell her? He says, get out of here. No. Like Yosef, he refuses. And we say that was the, that was the mission. That was the toif. She was a shliach. She was sent by the king. And what did the king want? What was the goodness in her? The goodness in her was that she allowed him to be able to say no. Not yes. And by saying no, she actually, he actually gets her much more than if he would said yes. By saying no, he actually captures what she really, really wants. Much more than if he says yes to her. Both what she says she wants, huh? In both ways, the demolition is part of the renovation.
I can't apply this to another person's suffering. I could never do that, and I will never do that. I can apply this to my own challenges. I can't apply this to somebody else's challenges. You know what I mean? I can help a person on their journey, you know, they want to talk about it, if they want to discover things together. But to tell a person how to feel, I find a very hard time doing that. Because pain is very real, it's emotional, it's not a philosophical, abstract idea. It's very real. And ultimately, this is a truth that a person has to find within their own challenge, not from somebody else saying it. The person can only say it to somebody after there's complete trust, complete love. The person really trusts that he's... Because it's sometimes these things sound too easy. They're cliché. There's light at the end of the tunnel. There's always good. You know, I went to visit somebody for Nechim So it was a tragic situation young person who died people come in they sit down they start preaching he starts preaching and he has great lectures he has a word from here all vertlach of course his message was that you shouldn't lose your emuna. He comes to preach, he comes to give a lecture. In the middle, this one sitting shiva, he started to tell a story. He says, I know this story. He continues, I know it, you don't have to say it. So he turns to me. He says, so let me tell you the story. I said, I didn't come here to listen to your stories. I came here to be Menachem He says, no, it's good for you. You'll use it, he tells me. So I say, it's un- unbelievable. You left your house to come to Anichem Avelin, and you decided you have a drasha to give. <laughs> the Oval Nebuch doesn't want to hear your drasha, so now I'm going to be a carbon. You think the whole world was created for you to give your speech? He looked at me as Khmer Sugar was a psapel, of course. He has what to say. In the stance of sometimes. You verbalized people start that to him? Yeah. I told him. He wanted I should sit now, look at him. I came to visit somebody to hear his story. Because the guy told him, so somebody has to hear it. Two seconds later, he said, he ran away. You understand? It's narcissism in a form of religion, holiness. So you have to be very careful with these things. It's not coming from a genuine place of caring. These things have to come from a genuine place of caring. If somebody dismisses somebody's misfortune and says, That's good. It's not what he's saying. It's not. <laughs> I told you, I don't tell this to other people. (laughs) These people have to 
discover within themselves. You well, can't tell this is natural. Isn't it the natural reaction that hits your heart and you become, so to speak, depressed? Of that? course, it's not true. That's also part of it. Yeah, and I don't think we can judge that. You I have don't to think get above that and it shouldn't affect you. No, people get hard on themselves. Why does it affect you? So that's much? that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That is part of the process. When he says it's not musig, the toiv is not musig. That's real. God made that too. Why are you judging yourself? A that a person can't relate to this emotionally is very normal, and we have to give space for that and respect that too. And halachically, we respect. A person doesn't sit shiv and say, "Oh, it's wonderful." I know it move out though. It's good. What's the problem? The neshama went tell him everything is good. So Let's is dance. <laughs> Why don't we we just said that the Khurban of the Baysamikdash is the beginning of Baysamikdash Ashlishi, so Tishabov should be a great young Sibcha. The answer is it's going to be a day of Simcha. Now it's not a day of Simcha. And somebody who says it's a day of Simcha, it's against Ratzin Hashem. I Hashem is good. He didn't destroy, he wants to rebuild. The answer is all destruction is painful. And painful causes grief. Pain causes grief. That's the worst. So when people delegitimize pain based on this, it's a very wrong approach. Halachically, emotionally, it's not true. Huh? Sources for what? Sources that people are robots and zombies? Were there Yidin in a Madrege that they bechalled in a Thilra? Yeah, there were such Yidin. Rabzur Shavan Apolli. As a Maisa, the Maggid of Mizritcha, Yid came to the Maggid, said he has a lot of suffering in his life. What should he do? How does he deal? He says, Gates to the Bzusha. So he went to the Bzusha for a few days. Says, what are you doing here? He says, your Rebbe sent me to learn how to deal with negativity in life. He says, you, 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 you didn't hear him. You didn't hear the name. You probably made a mistake. You misheard the name. I said, why? No he says, you're the wrong address. I never had a bad day in my life. Rebzusha was known at a very challenging life. First of all, he was a man. He had no power. He experienced life as a relationship with Hashem. So he never had a bad day in his life. For him, life didn't have any definition outside of a relationship with God. He had a wonderful relationship. Wherever he was, he was in a relationship. He didn't have bad. But it's not, uh, it's not, you can't say that this is the derech for every person. He says clearly, it's beyond, it's, 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 very, it's very intense. Can he know on a, some level that it's toiv ma'id? Yeah, but it doesn't mean he can experience it always. Of course not. And even if he's experiencing it as toiv, it's still painful. The guy who's stretching in the gym on Pilates, yeah, he's like, ah! Yeah, he still says, ow, why say ow? It's wonderful. person gets a surgery, they take out an infection, they take out a machala, yeah, yeah, it still hurts, yeah. Why does it hurt? Maybe great, but it kills. It kills. They amputate somebody's leg to save his life, yeah. You don't throw a party, Baruch Hashem, my life, my leg, may have saved his life, but it's still horrible. A person has to have that shikul adas, uh, just to come to somebody and say everything is good, it's wonderful, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. It's not even what he's saying, it's not that he's just not in touch with the person's reality. The Bistaifis was That's the worst. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. That's also, what are you trying to do? Delegitimize somebody? 
guys in a car accident in the hospital say, oh, at least you weren't killed. Okay, fine. Let him say This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.